Like many with roots deeply embedded in the wool industry, Matt Jensen wondered what happened to the wool he and his family had spent all the year getting into those bales. Well, the journey those bales took from the southern tablelands of New South Wales to the consumer's back was, and still is, an extremely long one. And why dreams of creating and retailing products remain just that for all but a few wool growers who have dared to venture along the pipeline. But in less than 10 years, MJ Bale has become the standard for men's formal wear in Australia, with 55 stores across all states and 350 staff. In this episode of The Yarn, we meet its founder. Welcome to The Yarn. It's a podcast for the Australian wool industry. I'm Marius Cumming. Being well known for its innovative marketing, sense of fun and strong commitment to quality, MJ Bale has stamped its authority on the domestic menswear market. But it's a market that continues to change very rapidly, according to company founder and CEO Matt Jensen. Your tailoring is, is evolving and people aren't needing to go to the office as much as they were previously with the current COVID environment. And therefore, yeah, knitwear is blooming. Um, more casual uh, jackets and more casual items or more casual ways to wear things, functional ways to wear clothes are, are, is really important because that brings on the you know, versatility of the garment. Um, and and you know, therefore, it's, it's got a, a value to the customer that um, wants to buy that. Yes, it's uh, very difficult days for uh, formal formal wear, I'd imagine. So you, you talk about innovation coming through fun and confidence. How is that going to drive you forward, given uh, that formal wear is very much uh, un- under pressure right now? Yeah, so we, look, we, uh, around half of our businesses, we, you know, we do suit, we do tuxedos, we do uh, business attire that, that people, you know, wear suits. We do, you know, loads of blazers. I mean, we've been selling lots of jackets that people wear with chinos, for example, chinos or jeans. We've been selling those in, in larger volumes over the last two years. So we start, we, we started to pivot on our, on product, um, and the category probably about 18 months, two years ago anyway. But what this, um, the COVID environment has, has done is it's, it's, I guess, stressed. Um, yeah, well, it's accelerated the, um, that move to casualization and it's, it's probably stressed the importance of doing that quickly to, to ensure that you stay, uh, stay relevant to the market. What's wool's role in casualization? Do you see wool as having a great future in a more casual world? Absolutely. For, at a five, I'll answer that question in two ways. At a fiber level, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, wool and the properties of wool, where, you know, it's, it's, A, it's natural, it's a huge advantage. Um, the, the drape, the natural drape that, that the wool fiber has when you're creating clothes is, is unparalleled, better than cotton, better than linen. That elasticity, natural elasticity that it has, you know, to create better form and comfort when you're wearing a garment is also make, make, ensures that it is, is spot on for the modern world. And then, um, you know, breathability, uh, thermo-regulating properties, all those things are really, you know, massive um, advantages of wool over other fibres. And then the fact that it is natural and doesn't create landfill and biodegrades 
you know, the way things should do as opposed to, you know, um, petrochemical fibers, polyester that, that sit there and, and are toxic fundamentally to, um, to, to land, you know, to wherever they're buried. That is another huge advantage of wool because it is natural and biodegradable. So I think that they are, it means that wool, whether it's in sportswear, whether it's in, uh, you know, smart, casual, smart, casual, where all you know it's dressmaking or, or tailoring is still absolutely one of the best fibers in the world so i think on that sense it's 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 totally relevant one of the challenges we've got and i think you saw this with the recent price um increase in wool and then now it's pulled back a bit um but i think what what i saw when that when the price ramped up sort of uh, what was it 12 12 to 18 months ago, is that it, it became more challenging for people, for, for mills to weave it and sell it, as well as for brands to, to um, merchandise it at those higher levels. And I think when it's competing against other fibres, it, it probably has a natural ceiling on where it is, if it's going to deliver, sorry, if, it, if it's going to be sold at a certain amount of scale and, you know, and compete against cottons or or other man-made fibres. So I think in that sense, there is a challenge for wool, is that one around price. And I completely understand the, the supply side uh, inputs, cost inputs of you know preparing a beautiful fleece and, and getting it to market. Um, but it was, it was just one interesting thing to note that you know, people in the modern world, price deflation is definitely playing out. And people are paying less for certain products, and I think sports where there's a you know there's a challenge of, of price that that does definitely exist in in that sports market because you're competing against other um, fibers that are less expensive. Yes, they're inferior, but they are less expensive for the consumer. So I think um, what, uh, to to get to the point um, the. I think that educated consumers and, and thoughtful consumers will choose wool, but what would be great is to see more people educated on on the properties and benefits of wool in the new world that we're all stepping into, and that you know they get to wear it and experience it, you know more often. And I think you know we just need to all work at, a, at an appropriate level of price that that gets it out there and keeps it. Um, Maintaining its market share in a pretty competitive fiber uh, fiber market. You speak of wool's benefits, wool's natural benefits, almost as a Woolmark licensee. Anyone would think you were. Um, <laughs> is, uh, yeah. is is as a Woolmark licensee, what else could Woolmark be doing? It do you think Woolmark's doing enough to ram home the natural benefits of this great fiber? Yeah, so we've we've been a a. a uh, a licensee, a loyal licensee of Woolmark, um, for many years now. I think, you know, for 12, since the start, really, for 12 years that we've had, um, MJ Bale running. And we've actually collaborated very, um, well, I think, with Woolmark over the years. I mean, the resources that, um, AWI provide and Woolmark give to licensees are first, first class. And, yeah, it's, it's more than, just some books with fibers in it. They, you know, linking, linking up with other partners in the wool supply chain, um, uh, other people who are doing high quality weaving or, or garment manufacture, 
things like this. So I think it, you know, it's, it's, it's a well resourced, uh, um, uh, tra- trade facilitator that has really helped us over the years. And, and, uh, I think, you know, the challenge is that we, we all have to double down and work harder these days because competition is, is increasing from other fibers and, and at our level from other brands and other, other labels. So. Um, I think it's vital to cooperate with with key partners, and we certainly see Woolmark as a as a key partner has been for many years, and will be will be in the future as well. What would you say though to wool growers that pay their levy and have been doing so for their whole life, and then see the market um, dramatically fall as it has in the last eighteen months, the two years since uh, those those heady days of twenty dollar. Uh, the $20 yeah. Eastern market indicator, and they say, well, clearly your marketing's not working. So what do you say to growers about being part of this very long supply chain? Yeah, um, and, and I think I spoke to this briefly before. I think you know, wool is, is participating in a very competitive um, fibre market. And what I did see, and this is, um, you know, this, this was the reality, as soon as wool got to that $20 level, uh, weavers, and we work with the best weavers in Italy. We work, we work in Italy, we work in Portugal, we work with um, a couple of the Chinese weavers, we work in Japan, we have worked with the Brits previously as well. So we, we've got a very good lens on, on the global, um, landscape, I guess, of who, who are the next people, who are the customers of our wool growers in this country. And what I saw firsthand, having seen all the, the different collection that the weavers um, would put out and the different fabrics that they'd put out is that as soon as the price of wool got to that $20 level, uh, the other fibres were getting blended in with more and more of the range simply to, to you know, dilute the input costs, reduce the input costs to to ensure that they could hit a certain price point to sell a certain volume. I mean, we don't, we don't blend with polyester in our... Um, in, in our suits and, and tailoring pieces um, but what I did see is that there was a strong multi-fibre um, component going into uh, fabrics as soon as the wool price got up there to uh, to those levels of around 20 bucks. Even though cashmere is five, six, seven times the price of merino wool? Um yeah, look, I mean, cashmere is another, a, a different thing again. And, uh, yeah, I think the, I, I would argue the properties of wool just in terms of its, its performance attributes, specifically around the elasticity and ability to recover is, um, you know, make merino at those finer microns a, a, a better, uh, a better fiber. But so, look, people who wear cashmere love cashmere. Um, it is what it is, but yeah, I think I think it's hard for Merino to get too much higher and still expect the the volume to be what it was. Um, I think that, that's a real that's a real challenge because uh, it's you know especially when you see a deflationary price environment that we've got at the moment um, at the consumer good level, it's hard to to want to get higher prices and I. I say this knowing about all the the toil that goes into creating our you know, great fleeces in this country. So, 
I'm not trying to talk prices down at all. I'm, I'd love to see them $20 and yeah, we can make it work at $20. We, we just have to think more creatively and more efficiently. But I think in, you know, at scale, and we are definitely a scale business, the amount of wool we produce in this country, um, I think you, you, you know, it's probably unrealistic to see it getting back to those levels in the, in the near term. Sure. Over the next two, three years. Now, Matt, you've had some incredibly innovative and clever and fun campaigns around uh, grazed on greatness right. and even the single source Kingston range. And uh, I think it was called the Impossible yeah. Journey. I'm not too sure when you sent that poor guy around the around the world in yeah, the 36 un- houses. <laughs> un- unsuitable journey. That's right. So, what who was going to who was going to win the suit or the, or the man? I think I think the suit got there by a uh, by a nose. Are, are these are these all your creations? These fantastic campaigns. Oh, look, we we like to um, you know, we like to do things in a way that that is is right. You know, the, sort of the, the we like. The, I guess there's a few Aussie larrikins in in our office here, and uh, you know, we always like to think that that you know we, we, if we're going to do things, we want to have a good fun time doing it. So we always um, like to think about. Something with a bit of a, a bit of an angle, and uh, you know that's they were great campaigns. We actually worked on them with um, our ad agency, Wybe and TBWA. So Paul Bradbury over there, my old great old mate of mine, and flatmate from when we both lived out in the UK. So we, he understands; he's got a good understanding of what what we like as a, as a brand, and and uh, I think you know it's great when we collaborate together. We do we've done high quality work, and we've won. Um, you know, gold, gold lion awards at can advertising, um, awards. So, you know, that was, that was nice. And, uh, the other thing is, I think they were really productive ideas that, that helped tell the, the property of, you know, the, the, the important properties of, um, wool and, and of wearing MJ Bar products that, you know, they are, you know, we did call a suit in the world as well. Um, which where we sent a guy to all the hottest places around the world in in merino wool to prove that um, the thermoregulating properties of merino could withstand you know high temperatures and high heat. So that that was another good one we did. Um, unsuitable journey. That was all about you know wool is a great fiber, fiber you know because of its natural stretch properties and, and ability and breathability and you know doesn't doesn't get smelly if you wear it day after day it was a great uh travel fiber so it was they were really good things to to have done and and uh, we you know we're we were happy the fact that customers bought into those ideas and and uh you know it increased the demand for our, our products as well so it's a bit of a win-win so given that the business attire market is changing what do you have in store for the future in these really difficult times yeah, look, they are. Gosh, I mean, the word unprecedented is overused, but it's definitely, definitely a different times that everybody's having to endure. We look. What we are doing is we're working harder with our suppliers. So, for example, you mentioned before so Simon Cameron down there in, in down at Kingston in Tasmania, um, a great man and and a really a true gentleman. We've been working with him for many years now. On, on the, the 16 micron super 150s, uh, Kingston range of suits. And, uh, they're still really sought after. Stunning product. It's, it's absolutely world class. 
um, and it's all sourced from one farm. And I think, you know, I proudly say that I think we're one of the few and a literally handful of companies that are actually doing this in the world. Um, and I think we may, we may well have been one of the early ones to get there. So, um, that's great. Working with, working at the grassroots level with farmers is, you know, vital for us. And, uh, we think it's a good differentiator as an Australian business as well. And, you know, Australian tailoring company. Again, I think it's important to find your own handwriting, your own tone of voice. And we certainly think the fact that we, you know, we are on the, we are friends and partners with with wool growers, and we, we want to use that to our advantage as we compete with other global brands, you know, the Italians, the Brits, the, the Americans, um, set up tailoring business. So um, more of that is important. The other thing is you know, you know, continuing to evolve our product, um, our product strategy. This casualization thing's fascinating. Um, going back to right to the beginning of what we were talking about, Iris, you know, I dreamt of what was in the bale of, of wool and, you know, what then could be created from that bale of wool. And I think that it's such a, you know, when you think of it that way, it's such an unbounded possibility as to what you can continue to create with, with this great fibre. So, you know, we, we're looking to expand and extend into into other things as well um, that that make sense to our customers and uh, we can continue to grow the business so whilst it, there's a lot of yeah I, I always see you know when there's adversity there's also plenty of opportunity and I think uh, to use a rugby analogy it's a bit like a bit like trying to you know run it from your 22 and the opposition's tired and I think you know we've got a good opportunity to uh, to do that because everybody is, is under pressure now and I think as a business we want to you know, absorb that challenge and, and you know, turn it into an opportunity um, in, in the years to come. And for, for those AFL fans, I'm, I'm going to use an AFL <laughs> analogy here. It sounds like you're, you're, you're two goals down but you're kicking with the wind in the final quarter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so obviously the... the essence of uh, what you do is is rooted in provenance not just quality so you hinted there that there's more opportunity for for provenance for for growers that are listening to this that know they have a great story to tell as every wool grower does how can they uh, really leverage off their own um, stewardship of the land and and the animals that they care for um. Good, good question. I think I think you've got to aim to be the you know the, the best in your field that you can be. So you know I think having having your property um, and your your um, livestock and your and your flock of sheep in good shape that that's absolutely paramount. I think um, you know animal welfare is often discussed now, and uh, I think that. To, to if you, if you want to extend and further into uh, a more vertical operation, I think it, it helps to start where the market is going, and that you know that idea of sustainability, that idea of um, ensuring that the, there's an equilibrium in in you know, the balance of what we're creating um, to give back to the world, um, whether it's back to your farm, whether it's you know back to the community. Um, and, and and making sure that 
you are doing things you know, in the right way. I think that's that's fundamental to ensuring that you can then take that ne next step because they're all the inevitable questions that, that then do pop up um, as you go and become a consumer-facing product as opposed to a generic raw material product. So I think you know that that's what I would say is, is step step one. And then I think you've just got to be really you know considered in I think partnerships are vital um, and making sure that you're aligned with with people who share common values and who um, uh, who can also enable things to either um, address a new market or um, you know give you the opportunity to to convert great fleece into into lovely products so I think you know, making sure you're very careful with the with the partners that you choose is another another thing I think would be important. Is there anything else you wanted to add? No, it's all pretty good. I, I genuinely hope we uh, we get this um, virus under control. That's the real that's the real thing here. Um, you know, I'm I'm based in Sydney. As I said before, our Melbourne's our Melbourne business has just gone into lockdown. I really feel for our team and, and the broader Melbourne community. I think it's tough. Um, stage four restrictions and people being locked down. So bring on the bring on the time that they um, find that vaccine and we make it readily available and uh, try and get things to back to some form of normality. Because I think then the market will you know can slowly take the steps to recovery. And I do I do think that um, you know the the demand can slowly come back in. Um, one final point I'd make is that there's a hell of a lot of fibre and yarn and fabric out there in supply, caught up in supply chains at the moment. Um, I know at a, you know at a micro level ourselves how much you know, inventory we already own and and also you know have up in the supply chain, and I, I think that you know that that could well be a challenging near term. With a lot of people shearing at the moment or about to share, I think there, there could be some challenges in, in terms of stock and supply side, supply and demand factors. So I think, uh, we've got we've got a way to go here on this one. We need to all ride it out in the best possible way. But yeah, that's why I say bring bring on that vaccine, and hopefully we can get back to some kind of uh, normality in the market. Indeed. Well, twelve years, fifty five stores, over three hundred employees. Um, Matt Jensen, congratulations on what you've been able to achieve, a, a dream come true, and helping Australian wool growers find a domestic voice, a domestic handwriting, as you say. It's a, it's a wonderful story and a yeah. very rare one. So uh, congratulations on what you've been able to achieve. Oh, thanks, Morris. It's been great, great speaking with you. MJ Bale founder and CEO Matt Chenson, and I hope you enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed catching up with him. So thank you for listening to The Yarn. To keep up to date with us, follow Wool Innovation on Twitter, Facebook, and Beyond the Bale on Instagram. For all feedback and ideas, always welcome, of course, please email us at theyarn at wool.com. And as always, from me, Murray is coming. Thank you for your company, and I look forward to catching you again soon.